But look, the Marte injury sucks. I, I don't know if you felt this way, Hoff. They get hit so much, and they continue to get hit so much, that you're waiting for someone to get hit and for it to be serious. Because they've really avoided the serious injury for the most part from all the hit batsmen that they've had this season. I, I mean, I think the Marte's pretty serious. I mean, I think this is the most crucial one. And this is why I was always pissed when people were like, well, the Mets are getting hit so much. Why don't they do something about it? I'm like, because what? So they could have a brawl and someone can get hurt? Like, I'm, we're trying to avoid injury here. We want this team to be together for as long as possible. We don't need a long suspension. We don't need any of that nonsense. But what, Marte's been hit how many times this season? Was it 19 the number? It- it feels like a ton. I mean, Mark Canna gets hit a lot, but it seems like that's part of his game. He's always gotten hit a lot. But when Marte gets hit, it always seems to be really scary. Yeah, well, it's in the it's on, so inside. It's on his freaking knuckles. I mean, I, I mean, that's inside. It's not like he's holding the bat out like, all right, hit me. It's inside. And he look. If we made a list of guys in the lineup, you can't lose. I'm not saying he's number one. I think Pete Alonso, despite his recent slump, is probably the number one guy. But he's towards the top. You know, take your pick. Alonzo, McNeil, Lindor, Starling Marte, Brandon Nimmo. Really those those top four hitters that Buck Showalters had so consistently playing. So Marte's a valuable guy. I, I think that because... I don't want to say what I'm going to say because it's backfired with what happened against the Nationals in the first game against the Pirates. But what I'm really trying to allude to is they're playing teams that they're better than. They're playing teams in the Marlins' case that I think now have a nine-game losing streak. Whatever it's up to, they do have one more game before they may play the Mets on Friday, and I hope they win. Sandy Alcantara's pitching, so Mets got actually lucky they're going to miss Sandy Alcantara. Uh, So he pitches on Thursday, and hopefully the Marlins win, but that's besides the point. This should not be a deal-breaker when you're playing Miami and you're playing Chicago. You know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't a series against the Braves, and they obviously missed Starling Marte in a series against the Braves, still won two out of three. So I hope he's back soon, but that's not an excuse for not beating the crap out of the Miami Marlins. Same thing with the Max Scherzer injury. Like, assuming he misses the two starts, he's probably going to miss. And then that's it. Then he comes back, and he's facing the Brewers in Milwaukee, which is about a week and a half from now it shouldn't impact how they should perform against the teams they're about to play. Now, again, I know they've already lost three games to the Nationals and Pirates. I understand that. But that should not be the difference between beating the Cubs and losing to the Cubs. No, and and I agree. And that's why today, when they were talking, I got asked about the Scherzer injury. Are you nervous? I go, no. All it means to me is that we're getting prepared for the playoffs. I need all these guys to be healthy for the playoffs. And I was told, oh, what, so you're just giving away the division? I go, no. The division is still very much the New York Mets because it. the Mets are still talented. I don't care who's slumping. It, they can break out of it at any point in time. Like you talked about Escobar. This is exactly the person that we need well, right now to break out of this. Okay, but, but, but you said something, and I heard this on the broadcast too, it, almost like a debate of do you, do you prioritize being healthy for the postseason more so than winning the division. First of all, those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. Not at all. Right. You should be smart about your injuries, and you should still try to win the division. The way I would look at it with Max Scherzer is this. Like I just said, you're playing the Cubs. You're playing the Pirates. You should beat them. Whether it's David Peterson or Max Scherzer pitching, that shouldn't be the difference between winning or losing against these teams. I would view it this way. I need Max Scherzer healthy for the Atlanta series. 
That's how I'd phrase it. Like, yes, I want them ready for the postseason, but winning the division is important. And I think we all need to recognize that. It doesn't mean they can't win the World Series if they're in the wild card series, but the road's a lot more difficult. Having to win two extra games is not easy. First of all, you can easily lose two games. I don't care who the hell's pitching. And then obviously the road is difficult because then you turn around immediately and play a best of five and then a best of seven. And we talked about the oddness of the off days around the best of five and the best of seven. So winning the division matters. We don't live in a world like it's 2005 where the Yankees and Red Sox are in a pennant race and it doesn't matter who wins the wild card. Does anybody remember who won the division in 2005? Was it the Yankees or the Red Sox? They finished tied. It didn't matter, though. Like, it literally didn't matter. There was so little that mattered about winning a division. Now it matters. It just does. So I don't buy this notion of they're not thinking about the division or they shouldn't think about the division. But I think you need to be smart when Max Scherzer's got a side issue and he's saying it's fatigue. The one thing about the Max thing that that jumped out at me was Scherzer made it seem, and maybe he's full of crap, that the only reason he's going on the I.L. was to get an extra body up here. Because he even said, well, I know I was going to miss a start. You know, I could be back relatively soon. But for the team, they wanted an extra body. That one kind of bothers me because two reasons. Number one, you have an off day on Thursday. You had an extra player for the doubleheader. You already have extra players because the rosters have expanded. Do the New York Mets need to put Max Scherzer on the IL so they could have Yoan Lopez for five extra days? That one bothers me. Like that one, I I don't fully understand. And look, Max could just be speaking out of his ass right now and maybe protecting himself. Like, yeah, I'm ready to go, but the team needs an extra guy. The extra guy is Yoan Lopez who may not pitch, by the way. And if he does, it's probably going to be in freaking mop-up duty. And oh, by the way, Buck, you used Adam Adovino in mop-up duty, which I'll get to coming up too. I get to everything I say I'm going to get to. We'll get to that because I had an issue with that. I'll explain why. So the Scherzer explanation was strange. I'm not a fan of they needed the extra body. There's 28 guys on the roster now. You had a 29th guy for these two games. You have an off day on Thursday. Yes, the Mets are now about to play. I think it's 13 straight days. Three against Miami. The three against Chicago. The four against Pittsburgh. And then three against Milwaukee before they get another off day. I get it's a lot of games. But you're probably going to activate yours. Or hopefully in the midst of that. So the only thing that would worry me, Hoff, is... You can say it's minor, and you can say he should make his next start. I need to see it. Because we were also told it was possible Max was going to start on Friday. So my only worry is not the actions of him going on the IL. My worry is, okay, let's see when he starts again. And then when he does start again, hopefully he can pitch. Because this was the fear, and this is the negative when you sign older guys. And I'm not regretting signing Max Scherzer by any means, but they break down. It's the concern we all have about Jacob DeGrom, that he can break down at any moment. I'll get to DeGrom, too. Let me respond or at least get into why Buck pissed me off that he went to Adam Adovino in a 10-0 game in the finale of this three-game series. It wasn't that he went to Adovino with a 10-0 lead. It was what he did the night before. So 
Buck Showalter is the most prepared manager in baseball. He completely understands we got a doubleheader tomorrow, and he also understands that there's an off day on Thursday. And he's a believer that while you want to have your bullpen rested, you don't want to have them too rested. So Seth Lugo comes into a 5-1 game, pitches a clean eighth inning, and then gets the ninth because, hey, I want him to get work in. He's not going to pitch the second game of the doubleheader. We have an off day Thursday. I want him to get some work in. I know you can't predict the future if you're Buck, but Adam Ottavino pitching back-to-back days is an option. We've actually seen it. So when you're playing the Pittsburgh Pirates on Tuesday night, after you had a rainout on Monday, okay? You had a rainout on Monday, so it's an off day. You're playing Tuesday night. You're down 4-2 to two because Brandon Nimmo hit a bomb of a home run. All right? Taiwan Walker went the first five. Michael Givens comes in, pitches the sixth. And now you go to Bryce Montes de Oca in the bottom of the seventh inning after you just made it 4-2. to two. We have no idea what to expect from Montes de Oca other than looking at his baseball reference page, which says the some bitch walks a lot of guys. And he's also not someone anybody could trust. But here's the thing. It's a 4-2 to two game. You have a chance to come back. So he goes to Bryce the Montes de Oca. The name is just, it's a great name. I just, I, I get forgetful sometimes. I love writing it down on my scorebook, though. Montes de Oca. Do you want me to get you a jersey of it or something like that, too, or no? No, please don't. <laughs> I don't think it's going to last. Though. That'll be your secondary podcast after the Rico Bronya? Yes, the Bryce Montes de Oca. It reminds me of Vic Black for some reason. Remember Vic Black, the reliever they got from the Pirates? Yeah. Just a random reliever who strikes a lot of guys out. You think, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe he's the next Dylan Batances. Okay. <laughs> so he goes to Montes de Oca. I'm slightly annoyed about it, but I'm not pissed because, uh, okay, fine. It's the seventh inning. I get it. He somehow gets through the seventh inning, gets bailed out by a great, great defensive play by Pete Alonso. Okay. Mets do nothing in the eighth inning. It's the bottom of the eighth inning. It's a four to two game. They're in the game. And he sends the Oka out again for the eighth inning. You know, Adam Adovino's got a pitch. You have no idea what the doubleheader is going to hold with Bassett and DeGrom, but he's not going to pitch both ends of the doubleheader. He may pitch one end of the doubleheader, but if he pitches, it's a good thing. Means you have a lead, right? Why not go to him on Tuesday? And it's made to look worse when you don't go to him on Tuesday. Montes to Oka and Tommy Hunter basically uh, take the game and flush it down the toilet. And then you use Adovino the next day when it's 10-0. I, I know that it's tough to predict what the next day is going to look like. So you almost have to just take a gamble. But in a 4-2 to game, and I, I see a lot of managers do this. Aaron Boone's been killed about this for years is that it's not that you're giving up on the game. I don't think you're ever giving up on the game by using a different reliever, but you're not making as great of an effort to keep the game close. And you have better relievers. I mean, there are actually relievers in this Met bullpen, as much as we have vilified it, that have been good. So it just bothered me. It bothered me on Tuesday when DeOka pitched the second inning. I was saying this to Beningo because we were talking about this uh, Wednesday morning. We had a conversation, a debriefing, because we're, we're actually going to do a show together this Saturday. It's uh, Bodingo and Roberts on Saturdays. Still doing our show with Craig Monday through Friday, me and Joe on Saturdays. And he was just pissed, period, about the Oka coming in. 
And I was more pissed by him coming out for the eighth. Because I think when you got the scoreless inning out of him, it's like, great. All right, got a scoreless inning out of him. Let's call it a day. So when he then goes to Adovino in a 10-0 game, I know there's nothing to be annoyed about because the Mets are about to sweep a doubleheader, which they do a lot. But it was like, come on, man. Why don't you use them the day before? Now, I also get, Pete, they weren't coming back. The offense was dead. I mean, I don't think it would have made a difference, though. Brandon Immel would have come up as the lead run, potentially, if Adovino pitched the scoreless eighth. But when you're in a close game, try to keep it close. Yeah, well, I mean, the the thing, too, is, though, we always talk about how the Mets seem to make a lot of soft hits, but those soft hits lead to big things at times. And you just deflate the team when you leave someone like that and, that and the game gets blown out. So, like, the Mets have found ways to make comebacks, give them the best opportunity. I'm not yeah. saying that he went went was trying to lose the game, but you're right. I mean, you you we know the writing was on the wall just by keeping him in there. And I do hate that. I understand that you want um, Adovino to get some work, but that pisses me off. Like, there was zero reason to, say if something did happen, say if you had a bad outing, and it, it, 10 nothing or whatever, nothing's really bad going to really happen, but... What if he did have a bad outing? I, I hate that sour taste, that waste of, a, of an arm for, for in that type of game. Yeah, because I, I know you can't predict. Now, obviously, we have no idea what's going to happen the next day. But I'd rather be more aggressive in doing it. Again, knowing you have an off day coming up on Thursday. Didn't cost them, though. I mean, what cost them is that they didn't hit. And they certainly didn't give you any sign that they were going to hit. By the way, one quick thing, because I do want to give you a number to back up my uh, premise on Taiwan Walker about how his second half has not been as bad as maybe we think. If you take out the one start, and I know it's tough to take the start out, but if you take the start out, his second half ERA is 3.95, which is not amazing, but it's what I've described that he is, which is that he hasn't been terrible in the second half. That's better than it was last year. I think last year was it was like an eight. No, no. Yes, I know. (laughs) Last year's second half was a choke job and a half. And the number I've been hearing is, well, Taiwan Walker in the second half this year has like a 680 RA, which is true, but it includes a one inning a run performance, which is just going to murder your ERA, which it has. Now, let's get to Jake because Jake is just, oh, my God. They have to give this man whatever the hell he wants. And yes, there's injury risk. And yes, he doesn't throw 120 pitches. All those critiques are fine. He is a magician. He has that rocky first inning. Yeah, rocky in that O'Neill Cruz hits one 100 million miles an hour first pitch of the game. He gets the big double play. Gets the big defensive play by Pete Alonso. He's throwing his curveball a ton this year. I, I noticed that in his last start against the Dodgers. You saw it again in this start against the Pirates. But then he has another one of those stretches, and he does this every time he's out there, where he just mows down 12 in a row. 15 in a row, 11 in a row. Sometimes it's at the beginning of a game and you start to fantasize about that perfect game that's going to end when Buck pulls him after six perfect innings or seven perfect innings. But then he gets into that groove after the first inning. Bing, 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 one, two, three. Bing, 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 one, two, three. Bing, 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 one, two, three. He's through 75 pitches in six innings. And I thought this was the game. Hey, you take that. You take the wrapper off, Jake. Double header. You need this game. Let him throw 110 pitches. But the Mets gave him so much freaking offense that after seven innings, I'm thinking to myself, get his ass out the game. I don't need him in the game anymore. Get him out. So 91 pitches, seven scoreless innings, and some of the numbers, and I'm not going to go through them because I'm sure people have seen them on Twitter or they say it on the broadcast, 
Some of the absurd numbers of Jacob deGrom, like, they boggle your mind. The amount of starts where he hasn't allowed a run, the consecutive starts of allowing three runs or less, the amount of games in a row in which he's retired at least 12 in a row. Like, take your pick on the absurd numbers. The reality is this, and this is not debatable. He is one of the most dominant forces we've ever seen. Now, I know he doesn't go nine innings, so you can't compare it to Sandy Koufax, but when he's out there, when he pitches, we have never seen anything like this. And that's why you just cherish it and you hope that he can continue to pitch. So I'm going to give you the one number I looked up that I think matters to most Met fans. And it's not about ERAs because we know his ERA is stupid since whatever time period you want to come up with. We know he strikes a million guys out. We know he doesn't walk anybody. So how about we spend a couple of seconds changing the narrative about Jacob DeGrom, a narrative that I still push, a narrative that I've heard Pete still push. And it's the narrative that, boy, the Mets don't support Jacob DeGrom. The Mets don't win when Jacob DeGrom pitches. The Mets don't play defense when Jacob DeGrom pitches. All that was true. It was absurdly true in 2018 when he won his first Cy Young, and it was true in 2019. In 2019, the Mets, as a team, forget his win-loss record, as a team, the Mets were under 500 when Jacob DeGrom took them out. It's almost impossible to do that. And in 2019, they weren't bad. Like, they they won more games than they lost. They had a lot of games that they blew, but they were not a 90-loss team in 2019. So all that was true. But if you take a look at 2020, which was a shortened season, I acknowledge, and Jake almost won a Cy Young, and you look at 2021, which for him was a shortened season because of the injury, and you look at this season, okay? You take those three seasons, really bits of three seasons, because none of them were full years, one because of the pandemic, and the last two, obviously, because of the health. Jacob DeGrom has made 34 starts, so basically a full season. I'm not even going to bother telling you the ERA. You already know it's crazy good. But here's what matters, and it's changed. In those 34 games, the New York Mets are 24-10. and 10. The Mets win when Jacob DeGrom pitches. They do. I know there are certain games you think about, like that finale against the Braves of the four-game series, and say, ah, oh, they lost that game. DeGrom should have finished the inning. I wish he did finish the inning. I wish Brandon Nimmo didn't have a Swiss cheese arm. I wish Pete Alonso allowed Lindor to steal second base. I wish a lot of things. But the bottom line is this, and we have to accept this as Met fans. We have to celebrate this as Met fans. They actually do win when he pitches. That's an old narrative. It's a narrative from 2019. Absolutely. It was just incredible to watch how bad this baseball team was behind Jacob DeGrom. They wouldn't score runs. They would play bad defense. They would always find a way to lose. It wasn't Jake's fault. It was everybody else's fault. Same thing in 2018. That has changed. It changed in 2020, though we sort of forget that because it was a very weird season. It changed last year when he pitched, and it's continued to change this year. They win when he's on the mound. Now, that shouldn't be a surprise. The guy pitches to a 1-6 ERA. They should freaking win every time he pitches. In fact, I can make the argument that 24-10 is underachieving. They should be 32-2 in the 34 starts that he makes. But we have seen this change, that they do win when he pitches. Now, I'm not trying to troll. But what's his actual record in the 24 and 10? 
I don't even know. I mean, I, honestly, I could look it up, and it's good because, like, think about it right now. Jacob's 5-1 and one this season. So right, right out of the gate, he's 5-1. and one, And I think last year, before he got hurt, he was 7-2. and two. So I think the win-loss record is good. Um, but, it's dude, it's just so overrated. And, look, a part of it is him. I admit that. If you don't go deeper into games, there's a better chance you're going to get a no decision. Uh, all right, his record is 15-5. and five. So, oh, that's good. Yeah, no, no, it absolutely follows it. Look, he had two seasons in his career, okay? Two seasons in his career in which he was historically good. He won Cy Young's, and he had a lackluster win-loss record. 2018, he had a 170 ERA, won the Cy Young, was 10-9. and In 2019, he had a 2.43 ERA, won the Cy Young, and he was 11-8. and so he had these incredible years, and he was only 21-17. and 17. And yes, the Mets lost more games than they won. But over the last three years, and yes, it's parts of three years because of the fact that he was hurt and there was a pandemic. 4-2 and two in 2020, 7-2 and and in 21, and 5-1 now. So it's actually 16-5 um, uh, and five now in the last three seasons. So they do win when he pitches. I mean, it, you know, just... It's just changed. I think we're so used to what happened in 18 and 19 that we just can't get used to the fact that, yeah, they actually win when he pitches. And it also and, it also feels like he's always in a nail-biter. But they win, and that's all that matters. If that's the case, it's look, all that matters. And we want him on the mound in the playoffs. 